I make a list of all the people who live on our side of the street and then I turn it into a little rhyme. You know, like like Trumpton, you know, the firemen coming down the pole. Pew, pew, Barney McGrew, Cuthbert, Dibble and Grump. You know, I used to enjoy having my birthday parties in here. Seems a long time ago. Well, my version goes... Barlow's, Bailey's, Chesney, Dev, Dobbs, Eileen and Kevin. <laughs> you do that every morning? Yes, it's part of my mental routine. The talk of the street. 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 Welcome to episode 295 of the Talk of the Street, another official Coronation Street Catcher podcast that will happily write another pithy and whimsical intro just as soon as Corey returns to its usual schedule, goddammit. I'm Gavin. And call me a shark, because there's a hammer in my head. I, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> You're a shark? What's the hammer in your head? It's from my, my dentist appointment this oh. morning. How could <laughs> I forget? <laughs> You know, sounds like fun. Ugh, and I don't. When when I was young, do you remember when I was young? I remember when you were young, yeah. <laughs> Pull up a chair, dear listener. I fear that we may be in for a story. You know, you'd go to the dentist. They they tell you to open wide, right? Mm-hmm. Say ah. Right. Yeah. No, that's a doctor. Well, the dentist says. Say, ah, but keep your tongue kind of tucked behind your molars, sort of thing. And then they would, you know, they would anesthetize your your face and get to work, right? Now, it, it seems like they want to cram as much crap in your mouth as humanly possible. And I'm somebody with a very extreme gag reflex, as you know. It's getting on. So, I mean, I remember like in the 90s when all of a sudden, you know, they wanted to put those stupid dental dams in your mouth and those were uncomfortable and made me gag, you know, and now, of course, dental dams are used for something completely different, but never mind. Um, Blissfully unaware. And now, like, they want to shove this block in my mouth to keep my mouth open. And I'm like, that's not happening. You know, and I have a new dentist, so I'm, I'm like, I just, just to let you know, I have a very strong gag reflex. It's like, okay, so we won't use this. Thank you for letting me know. And then he tries it anyway, like with like a, a juvenile one. Oh, maybe this will work because it's smaller. No, it's still something in my mouth that doesn't belong there. You were conscious through this, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. They did put this like lip saver thing, like this, this thing that tucks underneath like here, and then wraps this way and this way to protect your lips from... Chafing? <laughs> Chafing, get, getting the accidentally... Position. Getting accidentally, like, nicked by something. You know, my tongue accidentally got nicked by the drill at one point, which was not fun because my tongue was not anesthetized. Although, like, half of, the, half of my face was anesthetized, as you know... Because I came home looking like I just had a stroke. Aye. 
you know, that was hours ago. It was like 12 hours ago. It doesn't seem to have affected your voice. (laughs) I still have a bit of a headache, though. So I still kind of feel because the anesthetics are completely worn off now. So now my head hurts and I'm sad. But my teeth are, are beautiful. So that's all that matters, right? So how are you otherwise then? <laughs> I'm all right. You know, I've I've got like three job offers. So that's nice. Oh, really? That was just one the last I heard. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's the one at a at, at different auction house, which I had the interview on Tuesday. I also just 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 today I got a phone call from like a like an online travel agency to do reservations for them over the phone and stuff, something that I could do working from home, which is kind of mind numbing sort of work, mm-hmm. but it would have the benefit of me not having to drive anywhere to go to work. Right. So So that would require a new theme tune. <laughs> Probably. Okay. And then uh I'm thinking something Spanish. That's just <laughs> which jumped into my head. And then um uh, uh, Maracas. And then a script writing job for a for a f- fictional podcast. So, but for that, I need to I need to listen to the podcast and rewrite the last episode. And so I'm really kind of nervous about that because, you know, that's a lot of work. Granted, it's a <laughs> I mean, of course, it's a lot of work. That's why they want to potentially pay me to do the job. But still, you know, so things are coming up, Helen. It's kind of nice. Do you have script writing software? I don't think so. But I can format a Word document oh, into a script. You don't want to be doing that for any more than a page. <laughs> oh, let me tell you that for nothing. But anyway, you know, so... And then it's just... I don't know, I've been feeling kind of poorly this week. And I've been very breathy. Have you noticed I've been very breathy? I've noticed in the last podcast that we had... I know. That you were almost um, in obscene phone call territory. <laughs> And I'm still a little breathy, so fair warning, fair warning to anybody who has a, a, a delicate heart that that I may be a little breathy this evening. How are you? I'm, you've quite, been, I'm quite moany, so... Yeah, you've been coding. No, I've been watching someone code. Which is worse. Yeah. Which oh, is yeah, worse. I'm not saying it's better. No. He'd written the code, he was explaining the code to the rest of the team, is basically right. what, the, what the remit was. Anyway, it was as exciting... As it sounds, although no one had to be anaesthetised or have their gag reflex tested. So, yes. that's always good. Always good. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that orthodontic Cory news. <laughs> Actress Elena Vincent is pulling two paychecks for the moment, speaking of job opportunities. We know her as Emily, Joel's soon-to-be ex-wife, but... Fans of EastEnders know her as Fern, who has just been set up on a date with rapist Dean Wicks. Well played, ma'am. Well played. Get those checks. Get that money. Get that EastEnders money. Fern, you said. Fern, yes. Fern. Yes, Fern. Fern. (laughs) Remember when that lady randomly knocked on our door and asked if she could dig up some of our ferns? Yeah, and I inexplicably said yes. I was kind of scared. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Saved me a job. It was weird and random 
and she never showed up again. So I guess she was happy with the ferns of ours that she took. The ferns. <laughs> fans of Corey aren't the only ones sharpening their pitchforks due to schedule changes. DJ Tony Blackburn has taken to Twitter to file his own complaint, suggesting, as R. Gav did, you were the first to suggest this. <laughs> I'm sure. That the show be moved to ITV2 instead, you know, on the days when there's a football. Like, there aren't other channels that it could be moved to so that people can watch it on their regular nights. So I had taken to Twitter round about the same time. As Tony. To say to National Treasure and uh, living legend Tony Blackburn. Yes. Not my nation. No. To say that, are we going to, what is it? Next, is it, are we going to get some Corey tonight, or is it going to be some Azerbaijani Cup final bowls or whatever? Uh-huh. And some people uh, responded back saying, "Yeah, you know, it's just a few, just a few weeks of the year that uh-huh. there's the FA Cup, or there's going to be the Euros coming up this year as and well, rugby. and stuff." And Remember so, the rugby and some uh, women's uh, international friendlies and stuff. So you can surely mm-hmm. do without Corey for one night, seeing as it's on. Right. Three nights a week. Mm-hmm. They said three nights a week, 24-7. I was like, those two things... Are not the same thing. Don't make any sense together. No. But my point is, it's not one or the other. Right. There's enough space in the in the schedule for both. Yes. And there's enough channels for both. Yes. Either put Corey on ITV2 or put the football on ITV2. Corey... Uh, ITV isn't renowned for its sports coverage. No. ITV... Seems like they're trying to horn into more that. More than anything, is known for its, its dramas. Right. And its continuing dramas. Uh-huh. A little bit of quiz shows on the on the side. Right. So, if anything really should be bumped, it should be the sport. Throw mm-hmm. the sport on the ITV3, ITV4. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one thing or the other thing. Right. And that's what's been pissing me off. This whole month uh-huh. is that we haven't had a regular Coronation Street schedule since the last week of January. Be honest, though. It's kind of nice when there's only two of them. Yeah, it, it makes our world life easier. Yeah, but it's always temporary, though, Helen, because yes. the next week they throw seven episodes at you <laughs> to try and catch up. <laughs> yes, that's true. So Yeah, Daniel Brocklebank um, tweeted back, not to you, no. but to Tony, Saying how honored he was that that Tony watches the show that yeah. that he used to listen to Tony when he was a wee lad. I was forced to because my mum loved Tony Blackburn. <laughs> Everyone loved Tony Blackburn. I think he may have won the first "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here" way back in the day. Way back in the day. Yeah, National Treasure. Hmm. I can't think of a single DJ my mother could name, much less Howard Stern. Fond of. You think my mother's fond of Howard Stern? I think she could name him. Yeah. No, I take that back. I, I could think of some right-wing radio hosts, radio DJs that she would probably be very fond of. Skating on. Skating on. Angela Griffin, who played Fiona Middleton on The Cobbles. Do you remember her? Yes. Emma's mum. Yes. Has joined former two former East Enders. Tamsin Uthwaite and Joe Joyner. Uthwaite. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. For the new six-part drama series, The Wives, currently filming in Malta. Apparently, they're all sisters-in-law married to three brothers. And the fourth brother's wife has just 
died under mysterious circumstances. So they're, they're investigating it while also casting the evil eye on the fourth brother's new girlfriend. Oh. So very exciting. And they get to film in Malta. What's not to like? There you go. And that's core news. That's core news and a little bit of EastEnders news, I have to say. Right, yeah. EastEnders showed up in two stories. Well, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Let's also note that today was the last day of filming for BBC's Doctors. And this week it was announced that Hollyoaks was going to go to three days a week from September with another a number of job losses in tandem. This is worrying news for drama on TV right, specifically a like soap opera drama yeah 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 it's a shame for doctors doctors has been going 20 years ish for I a while yeah decades Hollyoaks has been on I think since the mid 90s mm-hmm. and has been five days a week for the longest time so these aren't negligible changes here this <gasps> has quite a bit of an impact you know what I forgot about Corey News <laughs> the thing that I just said no oh Colson. Colson's going to be in the Big Brother house. We don't know that yet. We don't? No, that's... Or do we not officially know that? We don't officially know. We just know. So you're going to cut this it's, out. It's been rumoured, hmm. shall we say. So we don't know if he's in... And sometimes... And maybe if when you're listening to this, you already know the answer to that question. But mm-hmm. as far as we're concerned, we don't know. But it has been rumoured. Right. And I think if he does go into the Big Brother house, I think he'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm afraid people are going to make fun of him. No, he'll be everybody's friend. He was very successful on the sports thing that he did a year or so ago. Right, but that's just like running and stuff. But he really, he won the... The hearts and minds of the people. Exactly. And the the viewing public were well on his side. I reckon that if he is in the Big Brother house, he has a very good chance of winning it. So that Corey news. Right, but that other stuff wasn't about Corey. It was about doctors and... Yeah. Hollyoaks. That's why I didn't mention it in Corey News. But a little extended. Yeah. Nevertheless, still manages to lead seamlessly into our feedback section, which I like to call. I like to call it. Christmas on Mars. Everyone's a critic. I'd like to have like a full a full song of Christmas on Mars. Like if you if you if you had like two minutes of the music, I would write lyrics for it. And then we Someone's could... already written lyrics for it. It's hot chocolates, everyone's a winner, baby. <laughs> That's what it Do is. Do you really want to admit that? But it's Listen to it. But it's slightly different. Don't <laughs> Now are you gonna play hot chocolate? Now play hot Th- chocolate so we can compare it. I, I, sadly, I don't have a button for that. Well, maybe you should. I have a button for... This takes me back. It does. I really like the drums in that. Anyway, everyone's a critic. Dead Deer on Twitter wrote to say, <laughs> You were wondering about who lives in the flats. We were... There's a dead deer who's writing into us? Yeah. With a from little, the grave? With a little hoof. <laughs> Is it the one that I just passed coming home from Charlotte earlier? Unlikely. <laughs> I went on the tour last year, says dead deer, and took this picture of the doorbells, which allowed me to jot down the names of the other people that live in 
Gary and Maria's flats. So on the first floor, I think. It's Victoria Flats, right? Yes. T. Harper, well done you. J. Morzen, D. Evans, E. Gordon, and N. Tilsley and L. Battersby. Wait, Dale Evans lives in, in D Manchester? Evans. Yeah, like D, the letter, right? Mm-hmm. So it could very well be Dale Evans. It could. None of those Although names dead. sound real. E. Gordon? That, that's not a person. I'm sorry. E. Gordon. On the ground floor, we have A. Foster, S. Dean, L. Jenkins, B. Smith, not the B. Smith from Prisoner Cell Block H, G. Windass and M. Connor, and then K. Lynn. Kayla, our niece <laughs> I knew you were going to lives say in the Victoria Flats? Next door to G. Windass and M. <laughs> Connor. Yeah. Wow. I hope she's behaving herself over They've there. They've come up with such poor names for the neighbours of Nick, Leanne, Gary and Maria. B. Smith. And Bob Smith. Billy Smith. Beatrice. Ooh, Beatrice. Bolivia Smith. <laughs> Exotic. Ooh. I'm just imagining Bolivia Smith. Pretty good. <laughs> then Debbie wrote in saying, I'm going to miss auction talk. Hope you get a better job, Helen, with a lot more money. It's their loss. You seem to have worked really hard on those auctions. Yes, oh, you did. thank you. Then Sharon says, Hey, John and Helen. What? I think that. She thinks I do this with my ex-husband? No, I think it's a joke about John! John! No, it's Bobby! No, that's Bobby. Bobby! But we do shout John as well. Do we? Yeah. At least I hope that's I hope that's a joke. Or maybe she really does think that I'm doing a podcast with my ex-husband. And not you. Shannon goes on to say, I love you both. You're so funny together. Keep doing what you're doing. Coronation Street Mysteries, where are all the cars? Where do all the residents park? How many people can they cram into each two-bed terrace house? I.e. Eileen, George, Todd, Sean, Dylan at number 11. And Mary, let's not forget. Mary. Ken, Amy, Steve, Tracy and Adam. I don't think Adam's still at number one. No, he's not. Where do all the little kids go when the adults are at work? Harry, Alfie, Bertie in the quads, etc. Why don't they ever make their own teen coffee? Do they not own kettles? Does Adam ever get paid because most of his advice is given for free either in the Rovers or Nina's Rolls? I just said Nina Rolls. Well done, Sharon. Well done, Sharon. Even though you did get Gav's name wrong. I think that was deliberate. <laughs> and finally, does Sarah not have any elastic in the knickers as they don't seem to be able to stay up? <laughs> also, I get very sad if nobody nips out for a shite. I, I get very upset about that too. I worry about their bowels, frankly. And Chiggy writes, Gavin and Helen, also that's my mum's name, so that means there are at least four beautiful, brilliant women in the world with that name. Aw! Who are the other two? Is it Helen Hunt and um Helen Keller. Ah, okay. The best part She's not the, in this world anymore though. The best part of this week was undoubtedly watching Steve be supported by Tim. The Helen Mirren. The whole dynamic reminded me very much of when Steve was friends with Lloyd. Yes, it did. Rita's 92nd birthday celebration was amazing because it had nothing to do with her when it was supposed to have everything to do with her. Right. That was quite funny. I would rather the writers take the time to truly celebrate that actress and the character. Overall, it was a pretty average week on the street. Tara, who wrote in on Facebook with a little gif of, I don't know what it was from, but it was a woman holding up a a cardboard uh, cutout to a window saying, want me to kill them? 
Yes. In response to your... Right, yeah. And she says, every fan listening to Helen right now. Listeners hearing about Helen's week. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you very much, Tara. You guys are so wonderful. I do love all of the support I've been getting from fans of the show. You guys make me feel really good. Thank you to Tara, to Chiki, to Sharon, Debbie, and Dead Deer for getting in touch this week. We very much appreciate it. Feedback is always welcome. You can send us your thoughts, and I will probably read them out. Get us at the talk of the street at gmail.com. Our DMs are always open at Corey Podcast. And now we'll podcast for coffee. We're on our own coffees this week. I'm drinking ginger ale as always. And I'm drinking you cranberry the, juice. You're in the cranberry juice. Yes. It's not dribbling out your mouth, is it? No. Excellent. No, no, my mouth works now. Fantastic. Aren't you happy? The talk of the street is and will always be free on your podcast provider and on the YouTubes. But if you think our show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to it, if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. You can also sign up to be a friend of the podcast through the same link where for as little as two bucks a month. You can get a mention in the closing credits of each and every episode. And remember, you can always support the podcast for free. Get us in front of new listeners by liking, subscribing, rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts. And now this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Lash Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about cheese at fourpence. Cheese at fourpence. Was was Dev selling cheese at fourpence? That's right. This was Stephen who had locked himself into the hotel room at the Rape Hotel and Debbie was trying to get him to come out and insisted that he did so quickly because she was standing around like cheese at fourpence. No. no, I loved that. No, where well, is Debbie? We haven't seen her for a while. We haven't. I was Gavin, and you were in the Thunderdome snow. Ah, oh. yeah. You know what? It's funny. Last year we had the thunder snow. This year we had a thunderstorm in the middle of the night, which meant that I got no sleep because I was taking care of the dog, who was terrified of thunderstorms. And then, less than twelve hours after the thunderstorm, we had a snowstorm. And before the thunderstorm, it was 72 degrees. In February. This is normal. No. Strange things happening at work. We got a remain in place order. Right. Just as I was about to leave. Right. That lasted just for a couple of minutes. And I had left before the before the all clear had come out. Uh-huh. Oops. It was four o'clock. I'm leaving. Right. And then when I went in the next if day... If you had gotten shot, I would have killed you. Joined the queue. <laughs> and when I got in the next morning, there was two more alerts, but for tornado warnings. It was like a tornado warning at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, during the thunderstorms. Hmm. Yeah. They were pretty intense, which is why I didn't mind, you know, laying on the couch trying to reassure the dog that the world wasn't ending. Did he believe you? No. And then the storm stopped, but the lightning was still going on a little bit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like that. And, I, and, I, and, you know, and I'd already put him back in the crate, and I'd already come back to bed, 
and I was already mostly asleep and he started borking again. So I went down, told him the storms were over, so he needs to shush. And then I covered his crate with a blanket and that seemed to work. Yeah. He didn't have, he didn't get to see the lightning anymore. So he was fine. Last year tonight then. <sighs> Dogs. We regaled our listeners with several weather-based tales. I feel like we're doing the same again tonight. Stephen is a man full of plans this week, but they're all threatened when he's unable to identify full fat milk. Paul is <laughs> devastated when his hand injury means he can no longer work and he worries about financial promises he's made, particularly to Gemma. Worn down by Justin's stalking, Daisy is at the end of her tether and worries how she will ever get away from his attentions. Darian receives exciting news when he attempts to track down his brother's whereabouts. Faye is shocked when she learns that Jackson and Miley are returning to the UK. Boy, that got resolved very quickly, didn't it? Mm. Kevin and Debbie rush to Germany when they learn that Bill has had a heart attack. Hope is down in the dumps as she's branded a liar after her altercation with Beth. A drunken Aaron and Amy become closer after they both feel let down by their partners. No one cares that Gemma may be poisoned. Sally's toilet paper is fabulous. And Peter is a robot. Our moment of the week was Gemma testing wedding cake. Yes. There may be crumbs. And our boring <laughs> moment of the week was Tim's mum's pathetic cheese sandwich. And that was Coronation Street. And the talk of the street, this time last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline in a three-episode week, but not a Monday, Wednesday, Friday week. No, it was all on Friday. Well, at least for me. Tommy OMFG. Oh, so does this take a turn? Well, yeah, we'll it, 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 it went to its most understandable and logical conclusion. Oh, do you think? Yeah. On Monday, over breakfast, Steve announces to Amy that he's planning on asking Tracy to renew her vows with him. Amy thinks this is a great idea. Meanwhile, Tim is struggling to come to terms with the information that Sally gave him last week, vis-a-vis Tracy and Tommy O. Tommy flipping Opington. <laughs> she gets him worked up into a lather by pretending to be a weather girl, then tells him that he'd be better keeping this information to himself. But instead, Tim confronts Tracy outside the florist and after a fashion, she more or less confesses to the tryst. He tells her to tell Steve before he does. But instead, Tracy goes to see Tommy outside of Sally's and tells him that they've been rumbled by Tim and Sally. Tommy advises ripping the band-aid off and just telling Steve. I loved I, I, I loved Sally's sexy shipping news, I have to say. Yes. That was that was hilarious how much that was working for Tim. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Later, when he finds Tommy in his house, Tim is appalled at Tommy potentially touching up Sally and shouts at him to leave his house until Sally points out that this means that he'll have to finish the decorating himself or pay for someone else to do it. Meanwhile, Tracy goes home to confess, but is interrupted when Steve gets on one knee and asks her to renew their vows. Right, and Amy's wearing a dress. So like she was. her grandmother's dress. But still, a dress. Yes. Yeah, all right then, says Tracy. Steve rushes round to tell Tim to give him the good news and to ask him to be his best man, which forces Tim to tell Steve that Tracy has been getting boffed off of Tommy O. Dum, dum, dum. And it takes a very long time for Steve to come to terms with us. It does. He goes home. Tracy more or less confesses straight away. And Steve is then further shocked when she explains that while she doesn't love Tommy O, she doesn't really love him either. That's right. Which we already knew. I, I was still kind of shocked when she said it. 
I mean, he's he's basically she basically explained all of this to Tommy last week. So, but saying it to Steve. Well, I mean, if we go back to the start of the year when they were talking about having a relationship break and and all that sort of stuff, right? But, but yeah, I guess it is kind of obvious, but still, it took me a little bit by surprise. And Hard she goes to on hear. to compare Steve to a comfortable blouse or an old cardigan that she doesn't have the heart to throw away. She doesn't want to fight for them, and she doesn't want forgiveness. Steve is distraught, but Tracy is oddly cool about the whole thing. She wants to call it a day. Steve leaves and gives Tommy a piece of his mind for wrecking his marriage. I have you on a tea towel, he shouts. <laughs> You're dead to me, he says. Why I, don't we ever get to see this tea towel? I know. I want to see the tea towel. I hope it was worth it. And it's a different story, Steve tells Tim. Later, one off Tracy begging for forgiveness, one for him taking charge and kicking her to the curb. This just completely threw Steve for a loop because what he's expecting is her to beg for forgiveness like she did with the whole Paula, Paula thing, thing that Steve remembered and brought right, up and, and brought she up was quite tonight. surprised about. But she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want his forgiveness. Nope. She doesn't want anything from him. Nope. She's kind of relieved that it's out in the open now so she, she can leave. She was like, I was kind of hoping we'd get caught. Yeah. Which does explain quite a bit. Yeah. This explains kind of the sex on the florist floor and all that sort of right. stuff. Right, yeah. But still, this was it. So Steve's like, because this is not the first time Steve's been down this path, obviously. Yeah. And he has a playbook in his head of how he imagines this conversation is going to go, but that rule book is thrown out right up. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt sorry for him. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt sorry for the both of them because this remember has just been kind of brought up right. with, with no real foundation Evidence. work being right. laid for it other than Steve announcing out of the blue that the two of them haven't been getting on. Right. And it makes me kind of remember that I do like them together. Yes. And this whole thing has been played almost for laughs. Mm. I think they are they are good together in the fact that they kind of balance one another out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think they are better together for Amy. When yeah, she's when old, Amy when Amy's having issues. Mm. They work really hard together to help her out. Right. And I think that's good. On Thursday then, Ken and Amy are still under the impression that the vow renewal is going to be a thing. Tracy quickly disabuses them of that and explains to her dad and her daughter how she's been dropping her knickers for Tommy O and she's leaving Steve. Not for Tommy though. Just for anyone. Yeah, for herself. Steve seems more worried about sleeping on the couch while Tracy is fucking Tommy O, so he decides to move out. At Sally's, she's got the best bickies out while Tommy O is finishing her eggshell. Tim is not happy about this and tells him to shift his van so no, the neighbours can't see and then eats his fucking bickies and tells Sally to cross her legs. <laughs> Steve turns up looking for a couch to sleep on, but he's outraged when he hears Tommy O's voice from inside. Steve bursts in and an entendre-laden argument ensues, which ends with Tim pushing Tommy, then Tommy pushing Tim into a tin of paint and knocking it all over Sally's kitchen floor. She's fucking furious about this. Yes, she is. In the pub, Steve admits that Tracy dumped him and he still loves her. 
Tim offers him the spare room, but Steve doesn't really fancy having to live with Sally for even just one night. Ken finds him and takes pity on him and offers him the sofa at number one and then kind of attempts to kick out Tracy. Yeah. And Amy agrees. Yeah. So Steve stays. Yeah. And Tracy leaves. She was complaining about living in that house. Right. Yeah. It's like, why is she getting indignant about this when she was the one complaining about old man furniture? Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird, though. Steve living. Well, maybe not because of Amy. Right. I guess that makes it that makes it all right. But still, him sleeping on the couch while she's still there. Right. Because on Friday, it doesn't seem that they've made any plans to, to throw her out. No. Who knows? We don't really see Tracy on Friday, though. We, we just don't. hear about her. Yes, and her antics. Yes. On Friday, Steve is chatting to Kevin, Tim, and Nina rolls about his lot. Tim is concerned that he's eaten his feelings because his wife is a cheating cow. Yeah, one Eccles cake. It's the Eccles cakes that kill you, says Tim. It's just one. Mary's in the background and overhearing all this, but it seems that the whole street is aware of it now. Kev has news, though, that Tommy O has accepted a coaching job in Spain, and he accepted it yesterday. Kev seems to be tapped the nose, in the know about this sort of thing. Steve can't wait to break the news to Tracy because he's 12. Right. But when he goes to the forest to lay the smack down, Mary has to tell him that Tracy is out getting pummeled from pillar to post by Tommy O. So Steve decides to be the bigger man, so to speak, and changes his plan, letting Tommy break Tracy's heart all on his own. Hmm. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Do you think that's what's going to happen? You don't think Tracy's going to move to Spain, do you? Tracy's kind of said that her heart's not really with Tommy O either. Yeah. Kind of made out that it could have been anybody. Yeah. Just a Which fling. is really depressing. <laughs> a little bit. So, is this being played for laughs? I think some of it is. I don't think all of it is. But then, like, all of the Tommy O stuff is played for laughs. Like, all, all, these, all these men following this other man around like they're six. Yeah. You know, and everything. And then and then the stuff with Shona tonight, you know. She's a big fan. Yeah. And talking about it, and Mary's kind of like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then she finally was, oh, X-ney Steve is on over the there. Omite. Right. And then that she finally notices, re- real realizes what she's saying. Even though she's just served Steve an Eccles cake. Yeah, the world's worst Eccles cake, it looked like. I don't know, it feels like the... It looked like just the top of an Eccles cake. The pitch is is inconsistent. Well, it's inconsistent for me, because bits of it are funny. The interactions between Tommy O and the, the men children is funny. But it's just kind of sad as well. The, the sadness of the... Potentially... I mean, is it potentially? Does Stephen Tracy have any chance after this? It feels very final. And it's Tracy said a lot of things that she can't take back. Right. And it feels like the show has just decided, well, we need we need to break up another couple. It's been a couple of weeks. <laughs> so this is the couple we're gonna break up this week. I know. I'm glad that in a way that it's been played for for the jokes because it's this that I'm really I've really enjoyed over the last couple of weeks. I think, you know, there are a lot of things that we say are wrong with Coronation Street, that there are too many characters, that it's on too much, 
that it's not as funny as it used to be. I would argue that Coronation Street's always funny. There are always people in the show that are very accomplished comedy actors who have really good timing and there's always something that happens that makes me laugh, but the balance is wrong. The balance is kind of on the, the down and the depressing storylines or the true-to-life storylines or the, the kids' storylines and not so much on things that are a bit more light-hearted and I think the balance last week particularly when we loved it this week maybe not quite as perfect but still it was there I think this is where the show really shines so having a breakup story being a kind of the comedy relief I'm glad that it's doing it but it still feels a little odd let's just remember shall we that Mary's old maidness is played for laughs all the time. Mm-hmm. Mary can't get laid. It's hilarious. But we don't think that's hilarious, though. No, but the show wants us to think it's hilarious. Her with her blanket with that guy on it. Ben Shepard. That's right. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad that, it's, that we're getting some, some chuckles out of what was the A storyline, I think. At least once during the week. But yeah, it's, uh, it's the end of an era that there was a marriage that Steve was involved in that looked like it might stick, that the childhood romance was going to be blossoming into the thing that was going to was going to last, and, and maybe it's not. I do like them together, but I also like I also like them apart. You know, there are times that they are apart in interacting with other people, like Tracy and Mary and Steve and Tim. And I think those characters really work in those sorts of relationships as well. Whereas there are some characters that only really work with maybe two or three other characters. Yeah. It does seem, though, that we're going to be saying cheerio, Tommy to Tommy O. Which I think is a shame. It is. We need a tall man on the show. <laughs> besides, We really besides, do need a tall man. And besides Ben, a.k.a. Nick. And, and he was... I think this week, throughout the week, he's been... I think his character's been great. I think he's portrayed very well. I would have more time for, for Tommy O being a, a permanent member of the the cast, but here we go. We've got a character that comes in to serve a purpose for a few weeks and then disappear, and it's... Right. And sometimes it's a shame, and sometimes you think, well, why were they in the first place? But this one, I don't know. I could have I done some more. See what else Tommy O had feather-wise to his bow. Yeah, because I think, I think it really worked. It was kind of funny. We have this former footballer who paints houses now. Right. You've got the, the former celeb almost right. falling on harder times. Right. But kind of contending with his lot, more mm-hmm. or less. Right. There's some stories in there that we could have got something out of. I think so, too. I think I really think they should have explored more this whole idea of celebrity and these men following him around like puppies and how it makes him uncomfortable yeah those were interesting moments yeah it would have been interesting to have a stalking storyline with him well he was being stalked by them let's face it yeah but like a scary one yeah all right let's put a man in jeopardy for once oh shall we please well we're going to do that in our next storyline i don't think so no our next storyline is what a scoop. 
On Monday, Jenny, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory to invite Carla to Rita's birthday drinks tomorrow at the pub. Carla can't make it, but takes this opportunity to congratulate Jenny again on buying back the Rovers, which makes Jenny awkward. Later, Carla is at the Rape Hotel to meet a client and mistakes the Waterford's rep, who's there to see Daisy, as a person that she wants to meet, but he's there to see Daisy, who he thinks is the owner of the Rovers. Carla's confused because Jenny's the owner, but the guy kind of sticks to his guns and realises that he may be talking out of turn, so just kind of clams up as Carla leaves. And then she spies Daisy arrive and uh, she starts to talk business with the Waterfords guy. The Waterfords were the people who bought over Newton and Ridley. Right. Back at the Rovers, Daisy tells Jenny about her successful meeting that will see Newton and Ridley reinstated and back on the taps. And Jenny is fucking furious that Daisy went over her head. But before they can get into it, Carla comes into the pub, curious to know the story that left Daisy and Jenny as co-owners. Thinking on their feet. Jenny and Daisy concoct a story where Daisy got a loan from her mum Like to, that would happen To go halves essentially Never when you're telling a story Relate some of it to somebody that may turn up again And Carla can check that story out Right, yeah Why does it have to be her mum? Make something up Through the back Jenny and Daisy continue to bicker, but Daisy's actually quite happy at how that worked out because now they can be more open about her involvement in the run of the pub. So when she's announcing Newton and Ridley being back, she announces her co-ownership and Jenny does not look happy. Daniel congratulates her, although is surprised that she could afford it. Go fuck yourself, Daniel, says Daisy. He thinks she'll be a great landlady, which was why he was going to buy the Rovers for her, but she corrects him. He was going to buy the Rovers to keep her with him. Let's not rewrite history, she says. But there's a wee spark between the two of them. There Maybe. is. Maybe. We'll see. Oh, on Thursday, Daniel meets up with Daisy on the street and asks her to look after Bertie for a couple of hours. She's a sap and agrees and drags wee boy to the rovers. With his dinosaur! Jenny doesn't waste any time pointing out how fucked up the situation is. Daisy pretends that she likes looking after the wee shite but just locks him in the back room with cartoons, bread and water. <laughs> Bethany isn't too impressed by this setup either when she finds out. But then Bethany has bigger shites to flush. The Chit Chat article has gone live. Whoa, whoa. And the Rovers, Daisy is starting to feel like there might be a chance for her and Daniel. Glenda thinks that she looks like a dog waiting on a pork pie and tells her to watch herself. Daisy thinks Bethany is just a fling, but when Daniel comes into the pub, he's there to grab Bertie and check her mood because of the whole Chit Chat thing. Right. Also, it's Rita's 92nd birthday. Her wig is 65. (laughs) The highlight is Mary's dancing and her uh, mnemonic rhyme for remembering who lives on the street. Do you remember it? No. No, but it's it's, it's funny that that's the thing that she recites every morning to keep her brain sharp. Barlow's, Bailey's, Chesney, Dev, Dobbs, Eileen, and then there's Kev. And <laughs> yeah, is that it? Kev. And it's, is this supposed to be Kev's head? His head's not that round. Is it his bottom? <laughs> That's not that round either. <laughs> that man is straight up and down. So I'm not sure. I did like the mnemonic when she mentioned that. I was kind of. I hope we get to hear it. Right. I hope this is not just something that they've made up without and Rita's wanting like, to deliver. Rita's like, why are we talking about 
keeping our brains sharp and, and keeping away dementia on my 92nd birthday. Yeah, this is my fucking birthday. We should be talking about me. Yeah, and things I like to do, which is not crossword puzzles. <laughs> Ken. But it's Mary who finds a chit-chat article and spends no time sending it to everyone else in the pub right. accidentally, yeah. including Daisy. Yeah, she means to be sending it to Glenda. Glenda's like, ping that to me, please. But because Mary's got everyone's phone number, right? She pings everyone's everybody. phone pings in the pub. It doesn't take Daisy any time to figure out that despite the names and images being changed, the story is about her and she knows who wrote it. So she goes round and shouts at Bethany for a bit. Daisy tells her that Daniel was jealous of her being a journalist, but he didn't have bothered because this is as good as she's going to get. She's found her level and she warns Bethany about the reaction that she's likely to receive from the locals. I hope it was worth it. Bethany's trying to explain this away by saying that she tried to get it pulled. And right. Daisy's but you like, wrote but it you wrote in it. the first place. Right. But they made it sensational. But you wrote it in the first place. <laughs> right. Right, yeah. And then Daisy says, well, I should have known that somebody who'd be snogging the face of a man whose wife is dying would, would stoop this low. Mm-hmm. And, and Bethany says, oh, don't, you're one to talk. And it's like, Bethany. Don't play the virginal cherub now or something like that. Right, yeah. And it's like, nobody was dying. Ryan and Daisy weren't dying. Daniel's wife was dying. Yes. That's worse. Yeah. Later, Daniel finds Daisy in the community garden. She's suspicious that he's not upset (laughs) by the article and jumps to the conclusion that he must have known all about it all along. And once she starts adding things up, she decides that he must have been Bethany's source. Or one of them. And that Bethany is just using him. Back at his place. Which is what we said. Bethany and Daniel argue about him being a source. She doesn't deny it, but says that she used everyone and laughs at his naivety. She tells him that Daisy called him jealous about her career, but Daniel doesn't think too much of that career anymore. And she storms out. Later, though... All this bother lets Jenny and Daisy make up over their pub differences. But Daisy is now sure that Daniel must hate her to do something like this. On Friday, Daisy's still up to high door about Bethany's article. Her mum has even been in touch about it. Jenny suggests revenge and Daisy is up to causing trouble by calling the editor to complain. So that's what she does. And, and rightly so. Rightly so. Yeah. Let's all remember why Bethany lost her last writing job shall we an uncorroborated source right which really is journalism 101 isn't it right yeah later daniel tries to have a word with her to apologize but then bethany appears from nowhere mad that daniel is saying sorry to daisy daisy isn't too impressed either in the cafe adam thinks that both daisy and bethany have a right to be angry but he's surprised that daniel cares about daisy's feelings focus on bethany he says make it right with her right daisy is toxic he says. Yeah, oh, and Bethany's not. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bethany's complaining about Daniel to Sarah, and she reckons it might all be over between them. She wants to focus on her work, and so she calls her editor, who is now so uninterested in pursuing the far-right storyline that was on the boiler. In fact, it seems that Daisy's complaint has really touched a nerve, so Bethany has got the sack, she says, but she's a freelance. Right, yeah. So she doesn't work for Chit Chat. She no. just sold them a story. Right, so they're not going to take her stories anymore. Right. Because she she didn't get sign-off 
on her sources, which considering she already lost a job for a similar thing, not corroborating your sources, mm-hmm. means Bethany's really dumb. Really bad at her job. Very bad at her job. So she's not and got the sack. stupid. But she's been... They're not going to take her stories anymore. She didn't want to sell stories to them in the first place. I don't know why she's making such a big song and dance about it. Anyway, she immediately tracks down Daisy to complain and is shocked to find that Daisy doesn't really give a fuck. Right, seriously, because Daisy's right here. Yeah. Daniel comes along to quieten his quarrelling women folk. He thinks Daisy has been spiteful, so Daisy no! tells him that racist Kelly only wanted to be tutored of him so she could blackmail her and Ryan, and that shuts him up because he didn't know that. Yeah. Back in the pub, Daisy is in a foul mood until wouldn't you Adam and Eva? Ryan shows up. Why? Miss me, he says. To be honest, Chuck, we'd kind of forgotten that you'd left. <laughs> you weren't gone long enough for us to miss you. He and Crystal are on the skids because he couldn't understand what she was saying. But... <laughs> But he had read the Chit Chat article and rushed back to Weatherfield to see how she was. He's shocked to learn of Bethany's involvement and how she's now he's with like, Daniel. He's like, wait a second, Bethany's back? And she's with Daniel now? Mm-hmm. When did this happen? While you were gone. That brief time that you were away, right, yes. all this happened. Hmm. Later, Daisy talks to Jenny about this. And Jenny worries that Daisy's heart is still in bits over Daniel. And Ryan's return shouldn't result in her jumping in with both feet there. Daisy tells her that she's worrying over nothing. Meanwhile, Daniel goes to see Bethany to apologise again, blaming Daisy for getting into his head, calling Bethany... Fuck you, Daniel! Calling Bethany a great journalist. And Bethany is so sappy, she's easily worn down. Who never checks her sources. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ryan is off saying hi to Carla. He's still got to meet Bobby. Bobby! 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 Phone! Carla doesn't approve that it seems that Ryan is back to jump on Daisy. She advises him to call Canny. He says they're just mates. Meanwhile, Daisy's out for a run and sees Daniel and Bethany arm in arm heading for the tram stop. So when opportunity presents itself later with Ryan, and when he tells her that he's happy just to be friends with her if that's all she wants, she decides that she wants to winch the face off him. So that's what she does. When Jenny catches wind of this, she's shocked by the rebound. Daisy says that she just wants to be happy. Jenny somehow is concerned about him finding out about Carla's money and calls Ryan a risk. Daisy, though, thinks that Ryan is saving her just like he did before. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah. And there's a funny scene where Daisy is trapped behind a wall with Steve, who says, those cheating Barlows, yes. we're exactly alike, you and I. And Daisy's like, please stop talking. Yes. Steve's an influencer. He is. He's an influencer. On bellies. <laughs> and, what I loved, and a receding hairline. What I love, though, this is kind of kind of going off on a different uh, tangent, but mm-hmm. the little conversation that happens in the storyline that I don't think I pick up and talk about is how Toya is sitting talking with Alia and Didi about how Steve was such a catch back in the day. He used to be so hot. Because he was. But he wasn't. He really was. Because he was already kind of losing his hair back then. It wasn't so, he was so obvious. Younger. It wasn't so obvious. It's just younger and he thinner. He was a teen heartthrob back in the <sighs> twenty years ago, thirty years ago. A teen heartthrob, which is hilarious. He really was though. 
the, him and, and Andy couldn't in real life they couldn't mm-hmm. walk down the streets without getting mobbed by females throwing their underpants at them and not soiled sexy underpants maybe soiled those bit. are from the German girls uh, just a sprinkling of soiling <sighs> well I didn't have him in my locker no no it was Jason Bateman and Michael J. Fox women wanted him men wanted to be him I don't think so I don't think men wanted to be him. Well, maybe not as much as that, but he really was a bit of a catch. Well, he was no Jason Bateman. He's still no Jason Bateman. <laughs> kind of Jason Voorhees at this point. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, I am, however, looking forward to Daniel seeing that Ryan's back. Yeah. Yeah, that... Sparks are going to fly there, I would imagine. No love lost between the two of them. No. Daniel did manufacture... Ryan's departure, let's not forget. Right, and now he's back. And that is mentioned this week when when Ryan says to Daisy, well, that was rather spiteful for, for you to do. And she's like, oh, really? Like you calling the gym and getting Ryan fired before he even started? Yeah, and the only thing At that least Daniel can this say is, is a valid- that wasn't my finest moment. Right, yes. What was your finest moment? Seriously. Pushing Ken down the stairs? <laughs> Maybe. Snogging Bethany while Sinead was dying. Right? Come on. Give us your finest moment. Seriously. And at least Daisy had a valid complaint. Daisy had a valid complaint about this article being published without the without her signing off on it. There was a, a excellent point made on Twitter. I wish I'd noted down who said it, but Daisy complaining to Chit Chat that her privacy had been invaded. Mm-hmm. Chit Chat then tell Bethany that she's got the sack because of a complaint that Daisy had made. Right. Thus furthering, further intruding on Daisy's privacy by telling Bethany that. Right, yeah. That's Although, true. if you're a whistleblower, I'm not sure that you can be guaranteed anonymity. Right. But still, it made me chuckle. Oh, it is surely a matter of time right. before Daisy and Daniel get back together again. You think? Yeah. I think that's that's a matchup that the show loves because they made it work for the longest time. You forget how long those two were together. Right. And it did work. It did work. We still hated Daniel all the way through. Yes. Because Un- unapologetically. He was, because he was terrible. And continues to be terrible. The way he treats Bethany is still pretty bad, even though we hate Bethany. Yeah, she's I still not cu- don't like. I still don't like the way that he treats her. No, because he, he's, he's very condescending to her. He's very condescending to her and treats her like she's twelve. You know, which that's not creepy at all. <laughs> that's not creepy in the slightest. Uh, so, but yeah, the the Daisy and Daniel thing seemed to work because. Because they are such opposites. You know, he's boring and terrible. Condescending. And condescending. And she's fun and witty. Yeah, I guess. And can keep a job. (laughs) Clearly. Have we forgiven her yet about stealing the rovers? No. Okay. No, but that's something that we haven't forgiven her and Jenny Mm. 
and Jenny's ridiculousness about it, about the whole, oh, you can't, you can't sleep with Ryan because what if he tells Carla about how we got the money? It's like, well, Daisy's not going to tell him. No, Jenny. There's, there's no reason for Daisy to tell him anything. I mean, that's all going to come out. Sure, but not that way. Carla, right. Carla's already got a little beaner bonnet about right. the two of them being co-owners. So there's yeah. there's some some seeds planted there that right. are probably going to uh, come to fruition yeah. on their own without anything that Ryan's going to add to the mix. Right. But yeah, I think it's I think it's Daniel and Daisy as the the power couple. I don't know where that leaves Bethany, but I don't know that Bethany's all that interested in in Daniel when she's talking to. Uh, Sarah about it, she can't really sort of put her her flag on the pole one way or the other. Right? She's yeah. Like, well, she, I don't know. I don't you know. Do I? I'm, I'm not she sure. She seems. She doesn't seem distraught at all that it might be over between the two of them. The number of times she's stormed out. Yeah, seriously. She's been back for like two months and she's stormed out of that flat like once a week. Right. And I don't blame her. I blame her for storming back in. It was funny though, the last time that she stormed out, Daniel's making dinner or whatever, and he goes, Oh, well done, Daniel. Mm-hmm. You've done a good, you handled that well. Yeah. And just continues making dinner. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, what are you expected to do? Stop? <laughs> like try to make things better? Sure, of course not. You don't, you don't make things better while she's still angry. You gotta let, you gotta let that calm down a wee bit. So you're thinking that you did the right thing there? Yes. Well, I'm sure that's a first. A broken clock is right two times a day. Absolutely. Moving on, a next other line. No sex, please, for Didi. On Monday, Didi checks into work despite the Joel situation and has a go at a client that Adam deliberately told her to treat carefully. Yep, he told Alia to treat yep, carefully. Alia's appalled and sends Didi home while she goes into disaster recovery mode, whatever that looks like. On the way home, Emily, Joel's ex, shows up wanting to talk and she basically confirms what Joel already told Dee Dee. Emily tells her not to give up on him. If anything though, this makes Dee Dee angrier. In the pub later, Joel claims that he didn't know Emily was going to plead his case and he apologises, but Dee Dee doesn't give a fuck one way or the other. They're done. They're staying done. Are they staying done? It feels No. No. Do you think that Emily really is Joel's wife? Yes. What what do you think? No. Based on that, no. What do you think? I don't know. But whose ex-wife turns up to remember? Mm-hmm. He left her while she was pregnant. Right. Or had an affair while she was pregnant. So right. she doesn't think that Joel's a great guy here. She's going to go to the new girlfriend, sing the praises of her ex to the new girlfriend in the hope that the two of them can patch up their differences. This doesn't sound like the behaviour of a scorned woman to me. I think she's fine with it being over and I think she's just happy that there's somebody else. But she's going to get involved? Well, it's kind of her fault because she was seen Uh, with him. No, it's not. It's Joel's fault for not seeing. But it's kind of her fault that it's been exposed. And she just wants him off her plate. I don't know. She's angry at him for something, remember? She, right, she because he's dragging angry. his feet on the divorce. She wants this divorce. I don't know. I don't think the show is is playing 3D chess here. I, I really don't. I kind of think it is. This is not a show that plays 3D chess. 
This is this is a show that doesn't even play 2D chess. This is a checkers sort of television program, unless Sam is on this week. It is playing 3D tic-tac-toe, I think. 3D twister. Yeah, I just, there is something still funny about this. There's something that's still off with Joel, and it shouldn't be off because his secret's out, unless his secret isn't really out. I think that you're obsessing about this far too much. Well, excuse me, I just happened to be right the first time. For the first time ever. No, it wasn't. I've been correct at least three times. Right, because a broken broken clock is right two times a day. On Thursday, Dee Dee is still overcome by the Joel situation. Arya thinks that she needs to get mortal on the booze. So they agree to do that. Which is hilarious. Because she doesn't drink. That's right. In the city? No. At the bistro. At the bistro. Arya reminds Dee Dee that it's sisters before misters. While Toya talks about ploughing her own furrow. Why? <laughs> Dee Dee seems unconvinced and wishes that she stayed at home. She makes her excuses early and leaves. Later, Alia is desperate for Dee Dee to get smashed, so turns up at her flat with wine and revels. And chocolate. Revels. Yeah. Chocolate. Chocolate revels. Yeah, the, the things that you bought at, uh, at World Market that time. And then I ate them all. That's why I don't remember it. <laughs> Funny that. I don't want to harp on about it, but just let's keep our eyes on on Joel over the next next little while. I find it hilarious Toya complaining about exes. I don't know who invited Toya to that little party. Apparently Alia did. Apparently they're friends now. When did that happen? And also, let's not forget that the last person Toya was with, she murdered. Yes. Um, man, am I right? Can't live with them. Can't crash them into a wall. Can't kill them fast enough. Yeah, she seemed to be the buzzkill in that conversation as well. <laughs> just Toya just <laughs> getting stuff off her chest, I guess. Right. Well, she did not get anybody else to talk to. No. Since Spider left. And it was... Oh, well. Um, I forgot all about Spider. That's terrible of me. Considering they almost died together. Remember that? At gunpoint docks, yes, yes, vividly. Yeah, it was it was it was especially weird because right before Toya sits down, Toya in another storyline says, Why don't you two go home to Nick and Leanne and uh, and I can cover everything. I can you know because of another storyline. And they're like, No, no, you're fine. It's better for us to stay here. And she's like, All right, suit yourself and then walks over the table. <laughs> And starts drinking. She's already made a drink for herself and for Dee Dee. Yep. And a pink lemonade for Alia, who obviously doesn't know the history of pink lemonade. What's that history? Oh, damn it. You don't want to know. Okay, good. Whew. Involves a clown and his laundry. Okay. All right, let's move on to our next storyline. Where on the earth is racist Kelly? Where in the world is... Racist Kelly. Racist Kelly. There's not enough. There's not enough syllables in that for it to work to the Carmen San Diego song. On Monday, Bobby. 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 And Max still haven't heard back from Racist Kelly, so Bobby goes to the cop shop to report her missing. PC Tinker could not be less interested. No. Until Bobby tells him about the bruises that Racist Kelly had on her. 
So Tinker goes and speaks to Roy about it, and Roy is a little cage about talking about the theft from Bethany's bag. And the way he tells it is ridiculous, too, because he's like, oh, I caught her rifling through a customer's bag. It was a bag that had been left, and she was trying to find ID. Except she wasn't. Except she was. No, she was looking to steal money out of it. No, I don't she think she even took that was. fiber. So, yeah, so he's a cagey about the bag and how racist Kelly said she was planning on starting a new somewhere. Roy goes to see Carla and Bobby and he tells them the same thing, that racist Kelly is most likely to have moved on. Carla agrees, but Bobby thinks there has to be more to it. And, and there was a funny thing when Roy says he's reported it to the constabulary and Bobby's like, what? And Carla's like, the police. And Roy says, well... PC Tanker. Right, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was so funny. I loved that. His wee face. He's like, well, well Tinker. Take that as you will. But I don't understand why Bobby doesn't say, yeah, but I went to her place and the radio was still on and there was a bacon sandwich sitting there uneaten and the place looked like it had been rifled through. I mean, this is this isn't Twin Peaks level of mystery here, but I do think that Roy knows something, and Roy isn't for telling for some reason. Roy, I think, is the last person to see her that we know of in the flat. Right. And the way that he's cagey with Tinker, I don't know. It's difficult to tell with Roy, isn't it? Because sometimes yeah. it's just Roy's way. I thought he was just kind of embarrassed and didn't want to. Didn't want to throw racist Kelly under the bus about the whole bag thing. I thought that's why he was being cagey, because he didn't want to tell PC Tinker about that. I don't know. I just kind of got the sense that there's something going on here that Roy knows more about than he's than he's letting on. And I don't know if maybe Roy's given her some money to go someplace. Because that's kind of the well, sort of thing that... Well, he did give her money, but that was her, her last... Paycheck. It, That's the sort of thing that Roy does. And he does l- tend to try and take care as best as he can the waifs and strafes that cross his path. So, I don't know. I was disappointed, oddly enough, that this was all we got of this storyline this week. That was a shame. Yeah, me too. This I, is a story. I can story. a little bit, because it is genuinely a, 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 a little I'm bit of a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's racist Kelly, who we still wouldn't talk to because... She hasn't had that redemption arc yet. Right, and she wears too many hair extensions. And our crop tops. Our next storyline is Bully for You. On Thursday, ahead of the meeting at school, Sean says how proud he is of Dylan taking responsibility for all his actions and stuff. But before they leave, Dylan gets a message reminding him not to be a fucking grass from Mason. So later, Dylan... The grass. Dylan, yeah, Dylan's at the school facing up to Crawshaw with his awful text messages, but when she wants to know who else was responsible, Dylan keeps stum and refuses to mention Mason, despite the fact that everyone in the room knows that it's Mason. Sean is furious because everybody knows it was Mason. Fuck it, says Crawshaw, and she suspends Dylan. Back home, Sean is still irate. He asks if Dylan has apologised to Liam yet, and Dylan lies and says that he has. Sean confiscates Dylan's phone, laptop, and tablet. Right, and introduces him to Mr. Penn and and Mrs. Pepper. <laughs> You're fucked, pal, he says. <laughs> On Friday, Crawshaw wants to talk to Gary and Maria about Liam's safeguarding, but Maria thinks that they've let him down enough, and she's still contemplating sending him to a new school. 
Gary wants a plan and is worried that Maria's making herself ill with worry and he offers to pick up some of the slack. Right, and they both act like changing schools is going to be really difficult and a long process. But we've seen Sam switch schools basically overnight and we've seen Eliza switch schools basically overnight. So it doesn't feel like it's that difficult. Well, it depends if the plot needs it to be difficult. Right. Like Max's experience. Right, but Max is different because Crawshaw didn't want him. (laughs) (laughs) At home, though, Dylan is searching the living room for his phone and he finds it in the third place he looks. What the hell, Sean? There was no more obvious place from behind it. On top of the TV was taken. Why doesn't he just keep that stupid fucking phone with him? On his pocket and then you'll see some of Mason's messages. Right. So he finds it in the third place he looks and finds Mason has left a message thanking him for keeping his mouth shut and promising him his rewards. He leaves him a voice memo. Who does that? How many 16-year-olds do you know who leave one another voice memos? (laughs) There's a bully that started in Neighbours this week. Uh Uh-oh. A teenage bully. Mm -hmm. And honest to God, he looks like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) He's like 35 if he's a day. And he's Australian. And he's Australian. And he's hanging about school. Now, there are kids who do that. They leave school. They don't leave on good terms. Right. And they still hang about the The school. school. Right. Even though they've no business being there anymore. And they're still hanging around there when they're 30. 20 years after they were supposed to have left. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Maria's still worried sick about Liam when Sean comes in and tells her what happened at the school, but Dylan refused to grass up Mason. And Maria says that protecting Mason makes Dylan just as bad. And she's absolutely right. Yes, she is. And she tells Sean, so maybe think about that before you start saying how much of a good kid Dylan is. Yeah. That's as far as we get with that this week. I think we're getting (sighs) to the point where Dylan really is going to have to grass up Mason. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And the knife needs to come up. I hope they haven't forgotten about that. The knife and then... Did um, we add that to Wendy's list of things the show's forgotten about? Because that horrible, horrible knife. The knife and the fact that he's the one who stole Tyrone's car and knocked Eliza over. Right. It's like you have this big, huge thing on this guy. Turn him in. Yeah. And then he's not going to bully you or terrorize you anymore. Just do it. Just do it. The thing that's kind of lurking, and this might again be another thing that the show's forgotten about, they made such a big deal about Mason's parents or the state that he comes from and how he's from a bad lot. And we still haven't seen that bad lot. And again, Mason is just a character who's bad because he's bad. We'd have no idea why. Why is he like this? Because he's bad. Because he is like this. And sometimes that's the truth. Sometimes it is, but it'd be interesting to know. At the moment, he's just such a, a bit of a 2D character. You know what would be a really... A 2D baddie, anyway. Do you know what would be really hilarious? And I would laugh so much. If Mason's parents were like librarians or something. <laughs> Do you know that is funny? <laughs> or he's somehow Mary's child. Oh, she'd be so and, disappointed And in he's him. also a marine biologist. But this time he really is. <laughs> and he's 35. <coughs> and he's pretending 
to be a 16-year-old because that happened. Right, right. It's a 21 Jump Street situation. He's, he's pretending to be a bully to drag the other bullies out. And to... It's a sting operation. And to distance himself from his ill-gotten marine biology job. Or something like that. Mary will sort it out. And Next week, Mary sorts this out. Right, Excellent. yes, yes. And he's, he's teamed up with Jonah Hill for some reason. Yeah, sure. Somebody has to. Nobody's really speaking to Jonah Hill anymore, but oh well. Our penultimate storyline tonight is, oh no, not this shite again. <laughs> On Friday, at Tyrone's, Evelyn and Cassie are tidying up ahead of Ty and Fizz coming home. Fizz is going to come home. Woohoo! That yeah. baby must be in college by now. What baby? Oh, <laughs> her in real life baby? Yes. Because Fizz hasn't had another baby. Cassie heads to the garage to tidy up Ty's tools too, whatever that means. So yeah, his car. She goes to the garage and cleans out the mess. That I think she's left in Ty's car. Yes, she's been using Ty's car and it's filthy. But when she starts it up, it coughs out smoke. Kev thinks it's because she put petrol in it and it's diesel. Cassie goes back home to complain to Evelyn about her own stupidity, but then Kev just fucking walks into the house and it transpires that it was actually Kev who fucked it up by putting diesel in the car. In the first place. And but, Evelyn wisely says, wait a second, you're a mechanic. How could you make a mistake that's stupid? The car is now fixed. And it's unclear whether Kev is doing this just to save Cassie a bollocking from Evelyn or not. And in the pub later, Cassie calls Kev her hero and gives him a hug, quickly backing off when Abby shows up. Oh no, not this shite again, says everybody. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. So Fizz to finally meet Cassie. That's going to be interesting. Because Fizz does not... She knows who Cassie is. Right. I think. Yeah, she's she can, aware of She couldn't of be bothered to, to drive the 200 miles to Manchester to get the lay of the land and to, to meet Ty's long-estranged mother. But Right. But now she's doing it, so that, that makes it okay. Didn't they have a Zoom call at one point? I don't think so. They have had Zoom calls, but I don't think Cassie's been involved in any of them. It's such a weird thing just to have this happening while she's away and she shows no interest in coming back because she can't come back because she's having a baby. But you think that they would write something that would make sense and this really, really doesn't. Right. Well, it's Aggie all over again. Is it? Yeah, because you would think Aggie would like well, immediately come home. But yeah, but I think Aggie's departure is less. How le- sick there's less can ability that odd to, be? To, but yeah, but well, but the fact that Fizz isn't there is because Jen McAlpine's pregnant. They really needed to have a good excuse for Fizz not to come home, and I don't think they've, they've come up with one. But right, it doesn't matter but- because she's coming back, and it's all going to be fine. And Fizz is just going to have to handle the fact that there's somebody new living in their house when she gets back. Because right. there's going to be no problems with that. And she's and a not, Obviously, Cassie is just such an easy person to get on with as well. Mm. There needs to be a limit on the number of love triangles or potential love triangles the show can have running at the same time, don't you think? Yeah. And also, who are they, who are they kidding? Because we all know that Cassie is basically just Abby, only 10 years older. And not as reformed. Right. So it's like Kev's going to dump Abby for an older, 
less trustworthy version of Abby. Right, yeah. Hmm. I don't know if I... Honestly, this is another thing that I thought the show had forgotten about. But unfortunately not. Yeah. Remember remember when it looked like the love triangle was going to be Cassie and Dev and Bernie? When oh, Cassie vaguely. was like all over Dev. And we're like, please don't do this. <laughs> and they didn't. And we're like, oh, thank God. And then, and then they did something worse. <laughs> all right. Our final storyline tonight. Harvey's appeal. On Monday... Despite already confessing a few weeks ago, Adam decides now would be a good time to see where John actually was on the night of Natasha's murder. John! John! All right, John. John! John somehow remembers being in all night, except that he nipped out for a bar of chocolate at 10 o'clock and paid cash. This is a remarkable thing for him to be able to remember. Right. And for then something he remembers, that happened two and a half years ago. Right. And it was a bar. It was two bars of chocolate. Which I'm going to call a Twix. Later, Adam is on the phone to Harvey's bum phone. The shaggy dog story is that the shop John got his chocolate from has them on CCTV and because the shop got damaged in the storm that happened that night, they can't delete the footage for insurance reasons. What? What? I mean, I played that back two or three times and I'm 99% sure that's what they said. It doesn't the make shop sense. had the CCTV footage, it still has it and it can't get rid of it because it needed it for an insurance claim on an incident that happened two and a two half, and half years, years ago, ago that you'd think even with a slow insurance company it was a claim that was settled one and a half years ago hmm. but they still need the cctv i don't know but while you're still trying to juggle all that in your head right it doesn't seem to matter because adam gets to the gets to the shop and gets the cctv off them on a pen drive anyway yeah but so what was all that about in the first place? But it's just like he gets it on on yeah, on like a little USB USB port, which LOL, people are still using those. But it's a copy, right? They Is it? They wouldn't have had all of their footage on like one little USB port, and it looked like it was, you know, and in an envelope marked just that day. You'd think that they would have like a month's worth of CCTV footage on one USB port, when we think, yes? Well, it's a dongle. Yeah. Um, there's so much about this that doesn't doesn't make any sense. Not, not, not the least of which is the technology uh, that's like 20 years old. Adam is worried that the police are going to go to... All the shops in the area, despite the fact that they don't know that John went out to get a Twix right. at 10 o'clock, two and a half years ago. So they're going to go to the every shop to ask them if they have CCTV that's two and a half years old. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. One shop actually does because of the storm and gives them it. This, it just feels so utterly random. I don't know what Adam was worried about other than... It sets up what happens on Thursday. And I hate it when things just happen to set something up the next day when it's when it makes as little sense as this does. Seriously, it's so dumb. I so, hate it. Because on Thursday in the law office, Adam is getting threatening texts from Harvey's bum phone. Meanwhile, the court liaison officer visits Nick and Leanne to warn them that there's a chance Harvey is going to appeal his conviction as someone else has come forward. 
obviously this upsets them quite a bit. Sarah and Damon come in for dinner, so Leanne and Nick bring them up to speed. Damon reckons that Harvey put this new character up to it and promises to have a word around the usual suspects to get the lay of the land, but instead he just phones Harvey's bum phone and insists that he wants nothing to do with it. Harvey still wants Damon to do that security van job from months ago. Right, yeah, that's so not a job. Somebody else has done that. That's not a job anymore, Harvey. It's not a job anymore. <laughs> Back at the bistro. That ship has sailed. Damon says that he's got information from a mate, but even if he gets off with murder, the drugs charge is still going to stick. Nick has a word with Sam. And which, which you would think Adam would know. Nick has a word with Sam and advises that it's unlikely that Harvey's going to get out, but there's maybe going to be an appeal. Sam doesn't seem too concerned about it and has faith in the British uh, judicial system. That sweet summer child. Adam comes in for a pint though and overhears Nick and Leanne chat about it and he seems somewhat regretful. Okay, so here we go with the payoff from all that CCTV stuff from Monday because on Friday, a beshorted Nick is in the law office talking to Dee Dee about the whole Harvey thing, curious to know how successful the appeal could be. Alia thumbs up to work complaining to Dee Dee about Adam and they reckon the divorce has taken its toll on him. It's Dee Dee who takes the divorce papers to Sarah, much to Damon's annoyance. Sarah wants to speak to Adam about it before progressing anything. Dee Dee has been rushing around like a blue-arsed flea all day and drops into the bistro to speak to Nick, finally. He explains the situation to her regarding Natasha's death right from the start. And when he gives her the date that Natasha was killed, Dee Dee's curiosity is piqued. Yes. And she goes back to the office and because confronts she has Adam about Harvey's appeal. Photographic memory. Yeah, suggests the two are conspiring because she remembers the date that was on that envelope. Adam is unrepentant, saying that Nick isn't his family and he's just doing his job. He reminds her of the insider trading that she kept her silence about and, she, and he seems to threaten her to keep her silence about this too. She promises to keep quiet, but their friendship is over, she says. She doesn't know who Adam is anymore. In the pub, Sarah speaks to Adam about the divorce financial order thing, but he's not interested in chatting, and he's quite rude to Jenny, and eventually gets thrown out because he's Scottish and drunk. And mean. With this drunken swagger, he makes his feelings known to Harvey. It's high fucking time to sort out Damon once and for all. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Yes. I wish this made more sense. I'm glad that it's. I'm glad that somebody from the courts has finally made Nick and Leanne aware about this whole Harvey appeal thing. They took their sweet time on this. Well, I don't think anybody's. Oh, John, John, John. He uh, <coughs> he went to the cop shop last week, wasn't it? It was two weeks ago, I think. Some time has passed since John, John, yeah. John has went and. Uh, has confessed. Right. The police have looked into it. The police now think there's at least enough merit in this to get the court liaison officer involved to say everyone's hairs are running that this is going to be a thing. Well, I, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's the fact that somebody else has confessed, which means that Harvey wants... H- Harvey has set in motion that he, would like, he wants an appeal because this other guy has come forward. Well, just because somebody wants the appeal doesn't mean that they get one. Right. But she's saying he may appeal this because this other guy came forward. So just be aware that this is a thing that may happen. Remind me of Adam's motive in all this. He does not want Sarah to be happy ever. He doesn't want Sarah back. No. 
he just doesn't want Damon to have. Well, he wants Damon gone. Right. Something that he was able to kind of contrive himself the last time. Right. It didn't stick. No. So he wants, he wants Damon dead. Yeah. Even though Damon almost killed him and then saved his life. You'd think he'd be a little grateful that Damon decided not to kill him after all. Would you be grateful for somebody who kidnapped you but decided not to kill you? Yes. You would? You, would, you wouldn't still be a bit peeved that they kidnapped you in the first place and threatened to kill you? No, because I would still be alive. I would want to have nothing. I would do, I would go out of my way to not piss that person off because they can change their mind and kidnap me again and moiter me. I would stay as far away from that person as I possibly could and not antagonize them. However, Adam seems to want to antagonize Damon and Sarah every chance he gets. And I don't know. It kind of feels like maybe he does want Sarah back now, the way he's kind of dragging his feet with all this divorce stuff. This divorce is taking so long. He's doing his best to allow himself to be emotionally tested right at every opportunity you've got the nick stuff they're talking about this how this is affecting sam and that seems to be giving adam some pause then there's a whole emotional side of it with with sarah and how sarah seems to be quite happy with um with damon and then the harry stuff which i think remembering back was adam's prime motive for all this uh, when it kind of kicked off. Right, yeah. And I can't remember the last time Harry's name has been mentioned in any of this. So, Or we've seen him since the balloon so, incident. So, so if it was to do with Harry, it's not to do with Harry anymore. You know what I think? I blame his hair. He needs to stop sticking his finger uh, in the electric socket over and over and over again. It's frying his brain. He's got fabulous hair. As well as his hair. And I absolutely love it. His hair is terrible. I love it's it. It's sticking up all over the place. It looks like he rolls out of bed, looks at himself in the mirror, goes, eh, and puts his suit on. He goes to court like that. He goes to court like that. He's not a barrister. He doesn't go to court. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. I've seen him in court, haven't I? No, I don't think hmm. so. It was always very nicely dressed. Imran, who was in court with right. his little barrister's wig on. And do you know what? Imran always had perfect hair. He did. He did. I like how Adam's hair never seems to be the same in two scenes. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder if, you know, if they've decided to make it look so terrible. It doesn't look terrible. It does look terrible. It's sticking up all over the place. That's how the youngsters are wearing it these days. He looks like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, only I don't with know black hair instead of blonde. Um, is that the wee boy that shags the dog? No, it's it's the comic strip with the wee boy and his his toy tiger okay. who comes to life and and they build scary snowmen and antagonize the Oof. the the little girl who lives down the street. Sounds dreadful. It's amazing and how dare you. But anyway, maybe maybe it's like um what's his name's hair in Big Bang Theory, how they always plastered it down. Because there would be no consistency if they left it the way that his hair looks normally. Howard's hair? Not Howard. Raj. Yes, Raj. 
Raj had big hair. Have, have you seen him in real life? No. He's got very curly hair, yes. All the times I've seen them have been imaginary. And and on the show. Does that count as real life? Right anyway. before your eyes. It's not in your head. If it was in your head, that would be an imaginary. Harvey is going to double-cross Adam. Of course he is. As quick as look at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam is stupid. Mm-hmm. He's almost as stupid as Bethany. He's making these really enormous decisions on the on emotion on on the spur of the moment and sadly seems to be falling through in them. Right. And now and, he's now it's affected his relationship with Didi. Where is he gonna live now? He's been living with Didi. Where's he gonna live? Didi's gonna kick him out. I mean, I kind of think that it had a little bit of a point about the insider trading thing. Except the insider trading thing does not affect a wee boy whose mother was murdered. Natasha was murdered. Nobody was murdered for insider trading. No, although Michael nearly died as a consequence of it. Right, yeah, but that, but he didn't. He didn't. And that's the point. Harvey murdered Natasha and Adam is trying to get him off just because his poor wee male ego was crushed when Sarah started shagging somebody significantly shorter than he is. Yeah, that's, it. that's what it comes down to. The wee man syndrome. Right, yeah. Is it Damon that's got wee man syndrome? Damon does have wee man syndrome, but Adam has jealous of the wee man syndrome. Yeah, I still think Kevin Feige needs to call him. I don't know who that is. Is that another one of your fancy cartoon strips? No. He's the head of the MCU. He's oh, the head of Marvel. He needs to call that. him and make him the next Wolverine. Because Wolverine's supposed to be short. Hugh Jackman is the only tall Wolverine. Oof. That's why it's possible that Daniel we're, Radcliffe is going to show up. We're talking up about in, Marvel, in Dead, so Deadpool. that means that that was the week that was Deadpool, Coronation Street. Deadpool and Wolverine. Tell me, Helen, what was your moment of the week? <laughs> uh, I don't know, let me think. What was your moment of the week? I quite liked Rita's birthday party. I liked Mary dancing. I liked the mnemonic. I liked the fact that Rita's birthday party had nothing to do with Rita. <laughs> okay, fine. Rita's birthday party is 92 our... 92 years young. I mean, that's that's worth celebrating, right? Yes. That's our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. See, I was going to kind of say, you know, Ken's crosswords, but you've just made that moment of the week. Because that's part of Rita's birthday party. Um, Daniel wasn't reading anything this week. He wasn't. He was pretty. Chastain wasn't in it. No. Is it? Is it? It's, it's Cassie and Kev. It has to be Cassie's clinging on to Kev. Just oh, it, honestly, I mean, we kind of joke about the boring moment of the week. This really does bore me, though. Right, because it's setting up another, yet another love triangle, which we don't need, because we don't love triangles. But what they do with the love triangles is they, they make them come to something. It's never a love triangle that just disappears. It's, it's Kev's going to end up getting 
manipulated into a situation with Cassie, and I really can't be bothered with that. No. Nobody wants that. That's a boring moment of the week. Your market of 10. Now, remember, our scores last week were sky high. Yes, because there was only two episodes. I think the the highest that we've we've given in a long while, I think we gave them, I think we both gave it 9 out of 10 mm. last week. I don't think it was as good this week. I it still wasn't. think it was pretty good, though. But eh. what was your? Six. I think I'd give it a seven and a half. I enjoyed it. You're more forgiving than I am. I don't think the numbers back that up. I think we're both fairly fairly tough with the scores. But yeah, I think it was a seven and a half. I think it was decent. And it was good to get back into a, a somewhat normal, normal They're all schedule. normal to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if I could write up three days worth of notes on a Friday, I'd probably do it the same way. Yeah. I, I like tweeting along with it. I like tweeting along with it, when it whenever possible. Yeah. It's not always possible. Yeah. It, I don't have appointment television really anymore. We were kind of appointment television with the, with the dragon thing. Mm-hmm. The sequel to the Game of the Thrones with the dragon lady. And, and the dragons. And, you know, award shows. Of course, I don't tweet about them anymore. I should maybe skeet them on the blue sky. But anyway, that's like basically my only appointment television is award shows now and the Super Bowl. This episode was brought to you with thanks to our friends of the podcast, Daisy, French Helen, Pickles, DT, Trisha, Wendy, Noel, Canadian Helen, Christy, and Shandy. Shandy! If you've ever... What? Why did you do that? Because she was the last name. If you've ever dreamt up a handy mnemonic to remember our names, write in to tell us about it. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Threads and Blue Sky. You can shout me and Helena Coffee or become a friend of the podcast by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. And be sure to check out our pop culture sister podcast, The List of Lists. Yay! Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more... A Talk of the Street! The Talk of the Street! Bye! Cheerio!